Hello and welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat tonight. What we're going to talk about, we're going to talk, we'll take you all through all the latest news as to what's happening around the world in professional rugby. We've got the NRC, the Curry Cup, the Top 14, we've got some player news for you and of course the big thing is we're going to be talking about is those Rugby World Cup warm-ups because we had something like eight games last weekend uh, or, or mm-hmm. maybe more and we've got about 10 to come this weekend as well. It's all getting mm-hmm. a bit crazy. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind mm-hmm. Driving Mall. And when I say say we, that's because John O'Connor's joining me. How are you doing, sir? Okay, and yourself, Paul? Not so bad, not so bad. Um, and as you can see from the background, not in the normal studio, but uh, that everything will return to normal tomorrow. So everyone, don't yeah. worry about that. There's a there's a piece of furniture stalking you there. There is a piece Paul, of... I don't know if you're aware, it's crept up behind you. <laughs> it's about to fall on me. I know it's going to, I'm going to get it's, attacked it's by the shelving. It's it's either after you or it's after the wine. I'm not sure. It's probably after me. Um, but uh, the um, uh, yeah, it's probably after me. It's uh, the not so much after the wine. Um, so yes, NRC kicked off last weekend. Just so everyone is aware, the National Rugby Championship in Australia. Um, we've already had a draw in that one, and that does seem to be a kind of a feature of rugby at the moment. We seem to get lots and lots of draws. So keep your eye out for that. Uh, Fiji Drua this weekend will be hosting their first game, so it's going to be interesting to see how they go. But something you'll be much more interested in is the Curry Cup, John. Um, a big congratulations to the Hakuaris, 27-13 against the Griffins. Yes, they did well. Um, sadness for me as a, as a Sharks fan um, in the, the Cheetahs dealing to... Uh, to my Sharks in the semi-final. Um, it, it, was, um, it, it looked for a while that the Sharks were going to pull it out, but uh, I think there are problems with fitness there in that Sharks squad. But what was really, really encouraging to see in that game, and uh, to be fair, I didn't see the, the first semi-final, which was the Lions versus uh, the Griquas. Um, but in that game, there was a plethora of highly talented extremely exciting young black African rugby players and that was thrilling to see and one of the things that the new contracting will do is encourage the those those young players coming through mm. uh, as, as, as well so you're going to see a lot of them coming through in super rugby next season uh, with, the, with the new contract sorry they really really performed um, in that game well, on both sides Fantastic. And then, so the final is Cheetahs versus the Lions in Bloemfontein. Now, the Lions beat the Cheetahs by two points in Bloemfontein early this season. So I think it's going to be a cracking game and really could go either way. So um, yes. if, if you're looking for some, uh, some action, that's going, to be a, that's going to be a good game this weekend, the Premiership final in the Curry Cup. It was uh, very interesting to see uh, Ruan Pina um, playing for wow. uh, the Cheetahs, right? So um, if you think about somebody who played in the Super Rugby final in 2007, went to the World Cup in 2007, played against the Lions in 2009 for the Springboks. And there he is uh, still, you know, obviously this is, this is the last stop um, on his career. He's lost, he, you know, he's gone to Europe, come back for a stint with the Cheetahs. But still, it's quite something to see him. And, and he was man of the match. I, yeah, it's, so he obviously went. So I went to Europe and played in Ulster for for several years. Yeah. Then, due to the IRFU uh, regulations that you can't recontract foreign players, uh, he had to leave there. Went across to Montpellier, 
um, for a season right. or two. Uh, now he's down in now, down now um, down at the Cheetahs. I'll be interested to see whether he's going to play in the Pro 14 as well um, mm, when, be very when that kicks off. Mm. Uh, the, the top 14 has also started, um, and I'm amazed. I got seven out of seven with my predictions last weekend um, in round two. Uh, one thing that is very evident is that home advantage is alive and well in the Pro 14. Um, Definitely in French rugby, eh? Absolutely. Lots of lots of teams taking uh, second string sides uh, to, to away games. So, yeah, um, expect that to continue uh, and, until they get all their internationals back, at which point the, the squad depth obviously increases and some of the sides will be able to take better teams away. But, uh, yeah, that's how they... That's, that's, that's just the culture in France. Um, mm. The... Minor 10 Cup is on, but you, you will have heard John and I, sorry, not John, Stephen and I talked about that last night, so I'm going to do that in depth. Um, and then also have the All Blacks edition tomorrow night. Some player news. Sorry, because I didn't, I didn't hear your discussion. Um, what for you was the standout performance, just very briefly, um, what was for you the standout performance team-wise and individual-wise on the weekend in the Minor 10? Um, you've, got to, you've got to be impressed by how far I mean, you, you've 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 got um, Canterbury obviously racked up eighty point an eighty zero net win over mm. over Southland, uh, which was yeah. I mean, whenever you rack up a point a minute, that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, really sad for Southland there. Uh, but other ones, you've got to say Bay of Plenty uh, beating North Harbour. That's a championship team beating a beating a Premiership team. So that's that that that's impressive by them. And you also saw. Um, Counties Manukau, who we all thought were going to be relegation candidates straight away for the beginning of the season, pushed Wellington all the way as well away from home. So some, yeah, some pretty impressive performances there from from, from those sides, and also Hawks Bay. Hawks Bay are looking are looking the business in the championship. So we've got some really good sides down there, uh, which is which is good to see. Um, as far as individual players, uh, I mean Mitchell Drummond came back from injury and had a good game uh, for. Um, uh, for Canterbury mm-hmm. Some, a really sad piece of news Jackson Hemapo um, mm-hmm. picking up a shoulder injury uh, for Manawa 2 and that's him out for the rest of the season now um, uh, so he won't be available for yeah as, as a backup player for um, for the All Blacks mm-hmm. which he obviously would have been um, mm-hmm. so that was another that, that, that was a real shame um, there and we've got some some young guys like um, Quinta Tapia and his, his, his family now have got a, have got a banner up at the stadium that says Tapia Fire. Um, so <laughs> um, he's been playing well for, for, for Waikato and he's definitely someone to keep an eye out for as well. So all of that um, has been going on. I'm going to be making three games this weekend. I'm going to be at Counties, Manukau um, against Tasman. Um, I'm also going to be there for their Farapama Cup game that happens before that, which is uh, Counties versus Manukau 2. And then on Saturday, I'll be at North Harbour for North Harbour Waikato and then Sunday um, at Eden Park for Auckland versus Canterbury and also at the Farrah Palmer Cup game there as well, Auckland-Canterbury. So five games of uh, live rugby for me this weekend. Cool. It's going to be nuts. Um, <laughs> uh, Player news then. Um, Jack Nell, uh is just has just had his appendix being removed and has been in hospital for four days. Here's a player who's been coming back from injury um, hasn't played any rugby in several months and yet is in the England World Cup squad. Now, mm. we talked about it last week. 
carrying someone like Brody Retallick into there, which is a lock, a guy who can change games. Mm. Jack Nell, British Irish line, yes, but he's a winger. Um, mm. Carrying an injured winger into the Rugby World Cup, losing one of your, or not losing, but having that take up one of your 31-man squads, I mm. I love Jack Nell. He plays for extra Chiefs, he plays for my team, but I think that's mm. perhaps Eddie Jones taking a risk too far with that one. Yeah, you know, when something like this happens, obviously Retallick is, is different. Retallick is somebody that you you kind of, it makes sense because, you know, just this is a former World Rugby Player of the Year and multiple nominee. But sometimes when something like this happens, you wonder whether there is a plan, a game plan, a structure that is dependent on somebody with that particular skill set. Something that maybe hasn't been revealed up until now, but it's part of their planning. And, you know, most of these coaches will have two players that could uh, be in line for whatever that plan is. And maybe this is one of the two of them. And that's why they tried to um, to keep him as part of the squad. I hope so, uh, that, that, that he is part of the plan. The What we've quite often seen, though, when he's not been available to go on that um, on the wing is players like Kokonasiga, who is a very different uh, player indeed. Much um, Jack Nell, not the biggest player, but he's a very elusive and powerful runner in, 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 in tight traffic, goes and goes searching for work. Someone like Kokonasiga, a very large player, um, barrels through players rather than being elusive. So it's, it's hard to see, see that. Um, and yeah, I, I say... I'm a massive fan of Jack Nell, but I still I just don't understand what Eddie Jones is up to there. Um, it'll be revealed in the book. Wait for the book. It'll be <laughs> the amount of books I'm going to have to read after to, to find out all these things is just is, is just crazy. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, good evening to the chief in the live chat. Great to see you here. Any questions in the live chat? Please let us know. Um, always like to have a chat with you guys uh, who, who, who join us live. Um, and also, we do appreciate those of you who listen to the recording uh, and on and on the podcast as well. Devon Tono has been left out of the Ireland squad. Um, now, a couple of things, I guess, going on here. One, the Ireland squad had to be named six days early because it got leaked by the press. Um, which I know the press say, "Oh, this is part of our job is finding things out and leaking it," but I think that for, for it, we're not talking about national secrets and. Um, uh, sort of people sort of misspending public money here, which obviously what is what investigative journalism is kind of about. Doing it for Rugby World Cup squads, I think, is a little bit too far. And I think why can't they wait until and until the official announcement? Because that's what they're employed to do. Because it gains clicks. <laughs> yes, that's it. They they are employed by their media organisation to do exactly that. And uh, really, the issue isn't the media. The issue is who leaked it. True. Because that's an indictment on the Irish Rugby Football Union or whoever it is in that management structure that leaked that out to the press. That's very poor. Um, so that's really sad, that that, that, that one out there. Um, I say the, the, the big name that's missed out here um, mm. has been Devin Toner. 
Uh, and it's, this has caused a massive outrage because one of your countrymen became eligible for Ireland 20 days ago and has oh, been yeah. picked... <laughs> Um, and has been picked ahead of Devon Toner. How old is Toner? Uh, born in 86, so that makes him 33. 33. And uh, the guy who's replacing him? Um, I don't know. A player I haven't even heard of, I'll be blunt. Um, John Klein, K-L-E-Y-N. Klein. John Klein. Klein. Um, so um, I don't know this, this uh, but obviously a, a, a good luck he must be. Um, uh, I rate Tono, I really do. I don't know, you know, I haven't watched a lot of Irish uh, football the last year, uh, but certainly he was one of the standout players when they performed well against the All Blacks. So, yeah, without knowing the background for that decision, um, nobody goes to a World Cup without taking who they think will best serve them to win, the, to win that World Cup. So there must be something there that they feel that this Jean Klein ad, adds that, that Tona doesn't or doesn't anymore. Um, absolutely. So Jean Klein, 26, um, plays for, for Munster from Western Province. Uh, and the Stormers, 2016 to 2014, 2016, uh, is is where he's originally uh, from. Has got two caps mm. now for for Ireland um, since he uh, mm. uh, since, since since he did. Um, good luck to him. He's playing within the rules, uh, and it's all above board. But mm. I, I say, yeah, Devon Turner, I'm a I'm a great fan of. I, I thought he would have got his place by right, full stop. But just because he's mm. a very very good player, um, mm. this is. Uh, but. Um, I can imagine how he'll be very upset that, uh, mm -hmm. that, that, that it's happened like this. But I think people like Augustin Pichot coming out um, against it, saying uh, saying it's wrong. <sighs> Look, you're part of the organisation that decides the, the, the rules in the first mm -hmm. place. To then come out and say the rules are wrong. Now, he's done the similar, something similar around the Rugby World Cup, uh, World Rugby Rankings as well. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like, look, you get it, it smacks a bit of populism just trying to get populism votes mm. um, so um, Blossom MCC uh, you're in the chat here good morning from Ireland you've said so um, yeah interesting to hear your thoughts um, about Jean Klein as a not, not a player that I, we, we know much about uh, but obviously he's got to be very good to have got um, uh, to, 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 to got in here um, but um, but yeah, uh, as you say, he's got to be, John, John Klein's definitely has got to earn his place. He, yeah, because um, uh, I say Devon Turner is a very good player. Mm. But you you know we spoke about this last week that in uh, World Cups it's been shown that this kind of balance between experience and the enthusiasm and fast twitch muscle, muscle fibers of youth, right, is some kind of al alchemic blend that in the great teams that win World Cups is just about perfect. And so maybe, maybe there is, there is you know, everything is being measured, right, at this, at this stage, at these highest levels. It frustrates me no end that we don't get access to any of these measurements and that rugby is not discussed 
uh, on TV or in analysis in any way that brings all of these stats to bear like it does in American sport. But everything is being measured, whether it's a number of rucks that are being hit, the effectiveness of the cleanouts at rucks, whether it's um, uh, time over five meters, time over 10 meters, whatever it may be. And uh, these things are being measured and performance is being tracked. And it's all being tracked via GPS. It is. And we, 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 we get the stats for a number of tackles, which gives you an idea about defensiveness. But the one I would love to see the stat for is first arrived at Ruck, because that, yeah. um, that, that, that gives you yeah, basically a lot about the work rates of those players. Not just arrived at Ruck, because you can be the third person there and just put your hand on there and have a nice little rest, um, <laughs> which we can see props do quite frequently. But, um, but yeah, as you say, you, we know those stats are being, are being captured. It's just a shame they won't actually release them and let us see them. Um, well, I would, I would recommend to the IRB that they make all the stats available, make it open source, and then let the boffins, let the uh, rugby nerds start massaging those stats and looking for trends and use it to generate interest. And let's see what the IT experts come up with. I mean, even if you start with super rugby and say, all the stats are available. The analysis that each team does, they keep to themselves. But everybody is tracking everybody, right? Yeah. So why not make, why not make the raw data available? Um, and then I guess people like um, Opta and stuff, you have both um, – Data being collected by teams, like people like Opta, but then you also have actual each team have a, each team have a play a um, an analyst at the game pressing buttons all the way through tracking the game. Um, we also now have, as you say, you got the trackers, but there's also um, algorithms with the cameras that can measure some of this stuff um, as well. So it's yeah, a lot of it can be automated. Um, it's a shame that more of it isn't done. Talking of stats, though, a man with 101 caps, Sakopi Kepu. Um, who is 33, has announced he'll be retiring from Test Rugby after the Rugby World Cup. First off, mm. hat tip, Sakopi, well well yeah. done. Really good career. Um, and Scored some great tries to, for a prop, some great tries against really strong opposition. Um, so, it's, uh, so, yeah, so hat tip to him. Um, he said retiring from Test Rugby, so he'll, he'll still be playing rugby. So we'll still get to see him playing Super Rugby, um, which would be great, uh, but, uh, but, but not Test Rugby um, after this piece. And, um, yeah, um, congratulations to him and hope he, hope he stays um, injury-free during his, his swan song um, at the Rugby World Cup. Um, that's all the player news I spotted. Anything, any kind of newsy bits that you've uh, seen as you've been gallivanting around the rugby world? Well, um, of course, since our chat last week... Um, in fact, I think it came out the next day. We were dis- we were discussing on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday night last week, um, the possible reasons behind Liam Squire's oh. withdrawal earlier in the year, and then within 24 hours, it was released that he had been dealing with uh, depression and uh, mental health issues. And uh, I think it's really important to to tap to toss the cap to. Liam Squire, that he has prioritized his mental health above um, the plaudits and the glory of going to the World Cup. 
because um, that is a six-week period, but you live with yourself for a very long time. And, um, you know, I hope, I wish him all the best, him and his family. And um, having dealt with depression myself uh, and had it sneak up on me, I, I res respect his openness and his vulnerability to talk about it because that really diffuses the whole situation. And I think it's a real measure of the times and, and it's really great. And a lot of credit goes to people like Sir John Kerwin for talking about this publicly and destigmatizing. Uh, this disease. Um, yeah, and I think it's really, really important that uh, we recognize the validity and the wiseness of the wisdom, at least, of his decision. Now, absolutely. It's one of the things we kind of said that it was rumored that he'd, that he'd um, or we'd heard him talk about the fact that he didn't, didn't enjoy the limelight at the top level. Um, clearly, he enjoys rugby uh, and, and playing yes. it. It's the other trappings that really, I think, he, mm. it's, it sounds like he has a problem with it, that that, uh, that, he, that, he, that yeah, he has, has an issue with. Um, mm -hmm. So let's hope he continues to enjoy playing for Tasman and also up in Japan when he goes up there post rugby World Cup. Mm. Um, and you know what? If somebody wants to just play Super Rugby and doesn't want to play international rugby because they don't like what goes with it, well, that's okay. Mm -hmm. it, Kind of blows our mind because if we had the physical talent, we'd all we would want to do it. But you know what? If he is if he is happy, and he is enjoying his rugby, that's what it's all about, right? And um, and good on him. And also another thing that one of the we always say that when players go to Europe, we talk about the money that they're going for. Uh, but I remember when James Hallwell went up there, one of the things he mentioned was, "Look, I actually get to spend a lot more nights at home." Um, up in yes. when I play in Europe because the travel factor is, is much less. Um, with yes. They can actually travel, so uh, it's not always just about the money. It can also be about the yeah, uh, quality family. of life and family. Yep, exactly. Family, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you raise that issue. If you are playing for a team in the south of France and you've got a match, a Pro 14 match in Paris, you travel up two days before, right? Or maybe the night before. You fly up the night before, right, to to Paris. Uh, so you're away for maybe two nights, uh, and then you're home again. And uh, if you play for the Jaguaris in Super Rugby, then every single away match is across an ocean. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? Well, if you play um, for Harlequins, an away game at some Saracens, you you sleep in your own bed and you're back in your own bed the same night. Um, yes. <laughs> so exactly. and, and there, there are and, same and games. Same, yeah. same thing. If you're playing for the Bulls and you um, and you you know if you play for the Bulls and you you play against the Lions, yeah, you can do that. Mm. But then again, if you're a South African team, you've got a six-week tour. You know, you're going you're gone for six weeks, and then you might be gone again for um, for playoffs. So yeah, there there is a demand, especially if you're trying to develop a relationship and a family and and starting to have kids and all of these things, which is part of you know, if you're late twenties, early thirties, that's these are the things that are that are normally taking place. So, yeah, um, you know, it's, and and at times like this, it's you know, and I don't bring this up to 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 slander the man's memory, but rather that we remember the other end of this decision tree. And that is, and I wish I could remember his name, the Australian lock that two years ago committed suicide. Oh. Um, 
yes, I know who you mean. Sorry, I can't remember his name either. Yes, maybe somebody will post for us. Um, who, you know, that's the, the South African-born, very, very bright and intelligent man, took two years out of rugby to go do his uh, PhD at, in business, either at Oxford or Cambridge, um, and tragically, with the family, uh, took his own life. Uh, so uh, just because somebody is a professional sportsman, even at the very highest level, would mean that they, they don't experience uh, and strains and uh, breakups and all sorts of issues that happen to anybody at any particular uh, walk of life. And I think it's uh, exemplary of Liam Squire, not only that he took this decision, but you know, I applaud him for his openness and his, his uh, frankness to talk about it. Yeah, uh, Dan Vickerman is the person I'm talking about. Dan, Dan Vickerman, that's it. Um, uh, world rankings, then. Um, something that I just said has taken a some bashing recently. And um, congratulations, New Zealand, for not playing at the weekend and becoming world number one. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anybody honestly thinks that Wales is a better rugby team, even though they've won the Six Nations, if they think that Wales is a better rugby team than New Zealand, then they really need to go lie down in the dark corner and get a cold compress on the head, right? Um, because, yeah, something needs to be looked at when it comes to that because there is only one team in the world, at least at the moment, that is expected to win wherever they play, including away from home, and that's the All Blacks. Absolutely, but the, uh, I think what, what, so, so. So just to bring everyone up to speed, New Zealand went back to number one, Ireland's number two with their win over Wales. England stayed at number three. Wales dropped from first all the way down to fourth, um, and then we got South Africa in fifth, uh, Australia sixth. Now, what I think the world, what I think what, what this does show, is that those top four teams, the gap between them has really narrowed and we have it got has. competitive teams and that's that's what it's telling us really it's not telling us that wales were better than new zealand for two weeks or that if Ireland win again this weekend and and they go top that they're better than new zealand not necessarily no what's it telling us is it's, it's giving us as, as an, an idea as to where the teams stand because they don't all play each other every week um and it just gives you some sort of and that, that, that's that, that's what that's what it's really telling you uh, um th there are a few fun things like the no team has won. Every team that's gone into the Rugby World Cup has been world ranked number one as they go into the Rugby World Cup. So it's going to be interesting as to who will um, as to who will be number one on Monday, because uh, that will be the that's the, this weekend is the last round of games. But when you say every team that is, what do you mean by every team that has gone into the World Cup ranked as number one has has won it or not won it or? I think because it's only been around since 2000 and I think 2003 was the first time it was around for and England went into the 2003 World Cup as number one actually sorry the only one of the people that have only team that has won it that wasn't worked number one I think was South Africa going in in 2007 yeah. that's right, All right um, I'm with you. and then New Zealand were ranked number one in, in 2011 and 2015 um, and we assume because they will beat Tonga this weekend uh, uh, actually no if Ireland do beat Wales um, anyway we'll see what happens um, but, but let me ask you this don't you think also part of the, the fast that are these rankings is that these warm-up games that are happening between northern hemisphere 
teams are not real tests. Yes, of course they want to win them, but they're not playing for the Six Nations, right? These are all about trying out combinations, and they don't really care whether they win or lose. They're more interested in seeing who's going to make the final squad and trying out this player, giving that guy a go, getting somebody game time, etc., etc. These are not all like matches. Like, for instance, some of the games in the Four Nations Championship that um, that was happening. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, South Africa. So, so yeah, in, 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 in the, the, the first two games of the Rugby Championship, you had New Zealand played two two entirely different um, match day twenty twos, twenty threes in the first two games, as did um, South Africa. Pretty much, uh, the yeah the, the team that played played at home against Australia was not the same team by any stretch of imagination that played against New Zealand in in Wellington. Um, the, reason, the reason why South Africa did that was because of travel, so they had a a travel schedule that meant that if they had tried to do that, this their game against New Zealand in Wellington, for instance, would have been an absolute disaster if they'd expected their players to play the previous Saturday, uh, effectively Sunday New Zealand time, and then play Saturday New Zealand time in New Zealand against the All Blacks. So they sent players 10 days early, and the rough rule of thumb is a day for each hour of jet lag. So 10 days early for 10 hours of, of jet lag, 10 hours of time difference. And they had a squad that was almost, I think there were five of the 23 players that weren't there for 10 days. So 18 of the 23 match day squad who had no jet lag and they drew with all blacks. Yep. So that was a that was a, a decision based on scheduling. Uh, there was definitely an element of it, of, of it being scheduling, but there was also an element of getting th- of of playing uh, of seeing all his players as well. True. Um, true. No, that is true. As I say, the, we, the 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 All Blacks did the exact same, did, or did something very very similar um, mm. at, at the same time. So the problem though is, how do you if how do you now classify what is a, a real game and not a real game? Um, for example, obviously, you would normally say, okay, anything that's in the Six Nations or the Rugby Championship, they're real games because they're in a competition. But then mm. where do summer tours, June tours, where do November internationals lie? Are they real games or are they not real games? Is it only well, games in the Rugby World Cup that aren't real? It becomes, well, it's just too complicated. Very, it's a very good, but certainly these warm-up matches just before the World Cup are a different animal. They are. Right? They are a different animal. When you see um, England playing Ireland in summer, then you know something different is afoot. I mean, that raises a whole other issue that I think rugby should be played in the Northern Hemisphere in summer anyway, because um, who in their right mind wants to go up against soccer um, in, in Europe when you could be up against cricket? But hey, that's a whole other discussion for another day. But yes, it's certainly they certainly are different. These warm-up games before a World Cup. Yep. Uh, the only other movement in the standings of note for us, anyway, uh, was that um, Fiji climbed above Japan. They swapped places. Fiji are now ninth, and Japan are now tenth after Fiji mm-hmm. beat Tonga uh, at Eden Park mm. at the weekend. Mm. Um, so there we go. That's the that, that, that's the movement in the in, in, in that. Let's bring you up to date with all of the games that happened this weekend. 
um, and I'll, I'll run through them and then you can tell me which ones you want to talk about. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Georgia beat the Southern Kings 24-20. Russia beat Jersey Reds uh, 22... Oh, sorry, Russia lost to Jersey Reds 22-35. Jersey Reds are not a premiership team. They're a championship team in the UK, or England. England. It probably gives you an idea of the strength of Russia. France beat Italy 47-19. Uruguay beat Brazil 43-5. Canada beat British Columbia All-Stars 45-13. The New Zealand... Heartland 15 lost to Samoa 1936. Fiji beat Tonga 29-19. Wales lost Ireland 17-22. Um, Namibia beat the Southern Kings 28-22. Yep, that's the second game the Southern Kings had to play in less than a week. Um, and Georgia lost to Scotland 10-44. Any of those that... Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, the only one I saw was the highlights of the of Wales Island. I didn't bother with all the rest. Well, the the loss by Georgia to to Scotland interests me mm-hmm. because that's not a massively different score to what Italy would achieve against um, Scotland. I think they would do probably a bit better, but they have exposure to that level of rugby. Um, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, France, Italy was forty seven nineteen, and yeah, as you say, ten forty four between Georgia and Scotland yeah. is a very similar scoreline. Yes, and. Uh, I think that uh, it would do European rugby the world of good if they consider some way of trying to open the door for Georgia to come into um, the Six Nations in some manner. I mean, Italy have been in the Six Nations now for, what, 18 years? Uh, Well, maybe 19. Yes, something like that. Something like that. How many wins do they have? Uh, Well, they've got more wooden spoons than they've got wins. Oh, yeah, there we go. I think the only only wins that I can remember them having are against Scotland. I can't remember them beating any other team in 19 seasons. I think they've beaten France as well. But yes, it, it, it's, it's few and far right, between. So, so where's the improvement, right? Where is the, where's the growth in their rugby? Okay, so they, they, haven't, they haven't come through. And, uh, and, you know, I think it's, I think, a country like Georgia where rugby is the national sport and they have embraced it so wholeheartedly, I think it's worth giving them a, a worth giving them a shot. There are two things in there, I guess. One is, I mean, Italy have beaten everyone apart from England in the Six Nations at some point in their history. Georgia have never beaten a Tier 1 team, ever. Um, which, now... But if, had, had Italy ever beaten... A tier one team before they were let into the the Six Nations. Yes, they. Who who did they beat? Uh, I think they'd beaten everyone apart from England before they went into the before they actually joined the Six Nations. Really? Pretty pretty sure, um, and they had a very good side okay. just That's before Six correct. Nations, where they where, where they where they beat quite a few of them. But um, uh, so the uh, so, so yeah like. A, a bit like Argentina. Argentina, before they got into the rugby championship, they became they, they came they came uh, what they made the semi-finals of the Rugby World Cup in two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, they really had to make a massive case. So, uh, yeah, Georgia are a are one of the top tier two sides. They are better than all the other tier two sides in Europe. They beat them. They they always finish top of the uh, occasionally um, Romania does, but on the whole, they finish first in that next championship. They do need more exposure. Um, they they did they did lose to Italy in November, mm-hmm. um, 
so they had they, that, that was their kind of their rugby World Cup final really back last November because if they beat in Italy then I could then obviously yeah the the, the clamour for them to be in the Six Nations would have just got so loud. Um, but Italy also realised that was their that was their rugby World Cup final, um, and that, that was a must win game on that kind of scale for both of them. Um, the other problem that uh, that Georgia have is just that they're poor. At the end of the day, um, yes, they've got an oligarch, uh, a billionaire who funds um, Georgian rugby. But do advertisers want to sponsor a competition that has exposure in Italy or exposure in Georgia? And advertisers are going to sponsor, are going to say, "We're not interested in Georgia. We want to have exposure to Italy." So that's unfortunately the commercial reality is, which is what's holding the, the Pacific Islands back is that commercial reality um, unfortunately uh, Simon makes a good point Georgia should join the Pro 14 before before joining the Six Nations um, yeah I would definitely look at trying to include them in, in some competition like that if they could but again what will the advertisers say true and unfortunately in too many sports in the world at the moment Decisions are being taken that are not in the best interests of the game. They're in the best interests of the bank balance. And my belief is if you choose what is best for the sport, then the eyeballs will come. And the bank balance will look after itself. Yes. And the bank balance will look after itself. Do what is best for the sport. Do what is best for the game itself. The quality of the product to use the marketing guys' uh, terminology, the quality of the product will increase and then everything will take care of itself. The problem is too many of the marketing guys and too many of the, all the CEOs are, have a, have a one- to two-year outlook um, where you need a 10- to 15-year outlook, really. Mm. If you're going to change things, it takes time. Um, mm. You're not going to improve a product overnight. It does take time. Um, I guess that's where... Italy have been improving. So what they've done in previous year, in, in previous sort of cycles, they've got a coach in who's gone and said, I'm going to win this or whatever. This last four years, they got in Conor O'Shea, uh, the ex-Harlequins coach, um, who came in and made, didn't make any pronouncements as to they were going to win the Six Nations or anything silly like that, like um, Jack Brunel was the previous um, coach before that did. And he spent pretty much all his time working at the club level and improving the Zebra and uh, um, Benetton and getting those two teams better so they had better players and a better structure to pick from. They have improved um, and Benetton have qualified for the European Champions Cup um, by rights this time. Uh, they used to get in because one Italian team was just giving it a given entry but now they've got in there because they've actually did well enough in the Pro 14. So they, which we're seeing, which we are seeing improvement at that club level. We've not seen that yet transfer into the national side mm-hmm. hopefully Conor O'Shea sticks around for another four years continues that development mm-hmm. then I think we might start seeing it now is it going to be quicker a, a quicker improvement than all the other teams to try and catch them I don't know but I think we should we should actually just we, we should see an, an uplift in their performances hopefully because of that yeah. sorry got well, kids and things um, <laughs> just, I thought you would dug the dog there squirrel <laughs> yeah, um, the thing that concerns me most, though, with uh, watching Italian rugby is the style of play. 
right? Um, and, you know, I would not be surprised, forgetting the rankings, I would not be surprised if Argentina makes its way out of the pool of death because they have embraced a more adventurous and attacking brand of rugby, realizing that is the only way that they were going to win. So they chose to pursue winning rather than a plan that was aimed at avoiding embarrassment. And uh, when I see Italy play, it's, it seems to me that there is a lack of ambition there and that they are playing to avoid embarrassment rather than playing in order to win. Now, I want to take that embarrassment piece and talk about yes. Japan versus South Africa. Yes. That's coming out this weekend. Japan are the only team in the world that has never lost to the Springboks. They've only played once. Mm. <laughs> to be fair. Mm. Um, they have their second game this coming weekend. Mm -hmm. How are how, Razi, how is Razi Rasmus um, going to approach this game? Uh, we have got the team list. Um, but so just, let's run through it. So... Um, Kitsoff marks um, Mahalbert, is that how you say it? Um, in the front row? Mahalbert. Mahalbert. Um, Etzbeth Mostert, Khaleesi Vermeulen de Toit. Into the backs. So, Khaleesi, sorry, Khaleesi. Vermeulen. And then eight, the And Steph Vermeulen. de Toit. Uh, okay. Yep. Into the backs, um, Fafta Clerk, Homre Pollard, with Delende and Am in the centres. Mapimpi on one wing. Colby, Justin Colby on the other wing, and LaRue at fullback. Okay, so that's a first-choice back line, right? At least at this stage. There may be later in the tournament, as fitness levels, there may be a shift of uh, Francois Stein to start at 12, but that's a first-choice back line. I'm not sure that the starting front row is the first choice, um, it it may be, but pretty much you're looking at. So the the bench. So you, you can so, you, so the bench is uh, Mbambi for the uh, the hooker, um, the beast. Mbonambi, let me help you there. <laughs> Say after me, Mbonambi. Mbonambi. Here we go. Um, the beast, uh, because that's I'm cheating there. Um, and Nakane, N-A-N-Y-A-K-A-N-E. Inyakane. Inyakane. There we go, Inyakane, right. So that's the front row on the bench. Uh, Steinman and Lowe are the um, uh, the other replacements in the forwards. You've then got um, Yanchis, I'm guessing it's Herschel Yanchis, uh, Stein and Jesse Creel as, your, as, as the back replacements. Okay, that's that. Basically, is that's that's the squad, the twenty-three that will play against the All Blacks, barring injury, right? Um, so that's the start. There might be a sh slight shift in the front row, or he might be looking to bring the beast Inyakane and Imbonambi all on together mm -hmm. as a tremendous set of impact substitutes, right? So you'll be bringing the beast off the bench with something like 100 and 
20 odd caps or something like that. Right. Um, and that all black African front row is the one that absolutely monstered the Wallabies in Pretoria. Right. So. And there's, there's some serious yeah. size coming off that bench. Um, mm, cause yeah. I mean, Simon, uh, Simon is, is a, he's a monster of a man. Um, mm. so, uh, so yes, there's, um, so, so basically we're saying, right, we have a first choice 23 taking on Japan this weekend. Um, yes, very much so. They are taking it extremely seriously. <laughs> yeah, I think this is, this is the dry run, right? Um, and I don't necessarily think they'll show their hand in what they want to do against the All Blacks, but certainly they are looking at the interlinking between forwards and backs, the timing of when to bring players off the bench, um, the potential impact of those players, uh, trusting um, Herschel Junchies uh, with significant game time. When can you pull Fafta Clark and trust that the replacement uh, halfback is going to be impactful and still be able to control the game? Um, do they keep Pollard on for the whole game or do they bring Elton Junchies? Uh, so, oh, so it's Francois, it's only, say it again, it's, it's Herschel Janchis. Well, it says Janchis and Stain, so I'm assuming that's yeah. Herschel Janchis rather than Elton Janchis. It must yeah. be Herschel, it must yep. be Herschel Janchis. It's got to have a reserve scrum half, so Francois Stain, and what's the third? Um, uh, Jesse Creel. Jesse Creel. Okay, so that looks like they're going to keep Pollard on for the whole game, and and Francois Stain is going to back him up at, at first five. Um... Yeah, very interesting. So 10.15 kickoff, uh, 10.15 p.m. Friday evening in New Zealand. Um, so, yes, yeah, so a nice time zone, a nice time to kick off for, 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 for people that are based over here. Um, I'm unfortunately going to miss at least the first half because I'm at County's Manukau before that, and that doesn't finish until um, 9.45, and I've got to do post-match interviews and, and, and et cetera and get home. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, I, and I'm trying, I think it's on... Spark Sport, actually, this one. I think it's might be their first first one. Anyway, either way, um, uh, well, yes, fantastic time to knock off work, get yourself dinner, and then have a beer watching the uh, watching. What is I say going to be a a, a a cracking game? Because I say there's there are two things here. One is um, Springbok reputation is on the line, and two, um, obviously the next game the Springboks plays against the All Blacks. Uh, which is and um, one of the things that one of the other nice random facts at the moment, not a, is that uh, no team has gone on to win the Rugby World Cup if they have lost a group stage game. Mm. So um, now France has made the final in uh, 2011 after losing a, a. So you can make that you make the final, but no one has actually ever won the Rugby World Cup after they lost, lost two, didn't they? Uh, and still. Yes, I think so. They lost to Tonga. That's right. And to the All Blacks and still made the final. Yes. But again, that's the French. <laughs> but nobody has won the final after losing yeah. a group stage game. So, Well, very much there's a high road and a low road when it comes to getting to the final for the Springboks and the All Blacks. If the projected quarterfinal opponent for the winner of the Springbok All Black game is Scotland. The projected 
a quarterfinal opponent, if you lose that game, is Ireland. And then, yeah, so I, I think there's a, there's a huge difference. You also get to uh, possibly avoid Australia in the semifinal. Um, yeah, so all told, it's a much better route to the final than... I've just thought. Then if you, well, we could have it if, if Japan do turn over Scotland and finish second in their group and the spring and the spring box beat with the All Blacks, we'll have this game yet again in the quarterfinals. Um. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. So um, you, you either, I mean, you potentially could be playing Japan in the quarterfinal, which is very much a, a game that you'd rather play than, than play um, the Ireland. Yep. Right. Because it's not only about winning that game, it's about the consequences on your squad if you end up having to play Ireland, England, and then a final three weeks in a row. Yes, and that's one, I mean, that's one of the things that... Um, uh, so the 10-14 have done a show for on Spark Sport where they've looked at the what they call the group curve. But anyway, um, basically the difficulty of each game in the pool. Uh, and mm-hmm. if we look at the way that Ireland had in 2011, they ended up playing France in their final pool game before playing Argentina in the quarterfinals. And basically, France just broke all the Irish players. So when they arrived, even though they won that game, when they arrived to play Argentina, they were in a mess, and Argentina just walked over the, all over them. Um, so England, at the moment, has got Argentina, um, France, as the last two games running into the quarterfinal. They have to win five Tier 1 games back-to-back to win their every World Cup. So England have got a, a, a nightmare draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, yeah, it, it's, it, you're right, it is that consequence of how hard are those three games um, and, and the wear and tear it does on your, on your teams. Just one thing I was going to go back to on those games from last weekend, that loss to Ireland by Wales meant their 11-match unbeaten home streak came to an end mm-hmm. for them. Um, just a little random... Um, random factoid for you all out there and as we've got 10 minutes left let's just run through some of the interesting games so Scotland played Georgia um, so the return match of the last weekend can Georgia improve on that 10-44 win England play Italy Um, again we've talked earlier that Italy have never beaten England I can't see it happening up in Newcastle Um, but so good luck to them New Zealand played Tonga down here um, on in, in, in Hamilton, um, and Steve Hansen has already has already said that he's he'll be doing something similar to Razzy Erasmus about basically rolling it rolling out pretty much a first choice side of fit players. He's not going to risk any in, anyone who's even 50-50 or eighty twenty mm-hmm. because of the gap between the games they need, they need game time. Argentina mm-hmm. turned down playing Fiji. I think it was, uh, and decided to play Randwick instead in Sydney. So that's an interesting choice. Um, So, shoot shield. I know why. I know why. It won't be. It won't be broadcast. That's why. Yep. Somebody would have filmed it if they were playing Fiji. Um, and it would be available to their opponents. So they've got some things up their sleeve, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see some very different things from Argentina in those pool games, Again, especially against... 
England and France. Are you there? Um, so that explains... Uh, okay, John's just dying back in again. Uh, hopefully it'll reconnect. Um, and we'll get him back on. Uh, also, I think it's a Ramwick um, anniversary. So... Um, so hopefully that'll be something that might be part of it. Australia pays Samoa. Um, Australia have been known to trip up in these sort of games before, um, but hopefully, but uh, yeah, I, I can't see that happening. Ireland play Wales, a re re return of that game from last weekend. So that's going to be really interesting to see how both the different squads cope um, and change their tactics um, after that. Uh, Namibia played the Southern Kings. That's the third game. That's the repeat of the game last weekend. Remember, Namibia beat Southern Kings 28-22, so it's good to get some game, game time. Russia played Connacht. Now they lost to um, they lost to um, I've gone black now. Uh, they lost to Jersey last weekend, so obviously Russia. We're not expecting them to beat Connacht. Uruguay play an Argentinian 15, which will probably be fairly similar to the Hangiwaris who have been playing in uh, the Curry Cup. And then finally, Canada USA play yet again. They seem to be playing every, each other every other week at the moment. So, um, real shame that uh, I've lost John, uh, but thank you, John, for who's been uh, for, for being on the show and having, having a chat tonight. Um, those are the games coming up. Um, the so the interesting ones will be, uh, or particular one of, of me, I think the big interesting one is Japan South Africa. Um, but I think a lot of people will also be interested in that Ireland-Wales game, um, as to how they both approach that uh, as, as, as well. We are just two weeks away from the, or, or two and a half weeks away, from the Rugby World Cup. This is the last round of games. We then have a weekend off of international action, and then it's into the Rugby World Cup. So um, really looking forward to all of that. Um, seen some comments in the chat saying they've, they've enjoyed my coverage of the Meister 10 Cup. Thank you very much for that. Um, really would appreciate it if you do become a supporter of Driving More. Link down below in the uh, in the notes or patreon.com forward slash driving more for that. Uh, that uh, I don't get paid by any organisations to go around those games. Um, it's all done off my own back um, and really need to be, uh, uh, well, earning something to pay for my petrol at the very least. So please um, become a supporter. You can do it for as much or as little as you like as a monthly amount um, over there. So please go and have a look at that. Uh, and also that will get you access to exclusive um, opinion pieces and other um, articles that I do on there. So thank you everyone for joining me this evening and back tomorrow night at 8pm we'll be putting out a, uh, an All Blacks edition myself and Michael Pullman uh, uh, will come out then and uh, enjoy everybody watching this weekend. As I say I will be at um, Counties Manukau for the Farrah Palmer Cup and also the Meister 10 Cup on Friday night. On Saturday I'll be at North Harbour um, and then on Sunday for Farrah Palmer Cup and Midas 10 Cup I'll be at Eden Park as well. So five games um, with five lots of hopefully post-match interviews for you coming up.